peaches, apples, and other forbidden fruit. Written and read by Jam Girl. Chapter 15, Surrender. November, 2019. During Thanksgiving week, over a year after the failed attempt to rekindle her deepest friendship, after Zira chose, finally, to let her friend go forever, when Zira was at home with her family, without a man, for yet another year, while she was considering whether her mama would judge her for taking a second piece of pie, saying something about fortune, or worse, something about her singledom, Zira received a phone call from Michaela. First, it was a text, suggesting they catch up. And then it was a real, honest-to-God phone call. Zira hadn't talked to Michaela in, goodness gracious, it had to have been years. What in the world would have possessed Michaela to want to catch up? Did she actually miss Zira? Zira hadn't thought they'd had that kind of friendship. She really hadn't minded that they'd drifted apart. Probably a terrible thing not to mind. Even more terrible when she found out why Michaela was calling. Bridesmaid. She wanted Zira to be a bridesmaid. Not made of honor, thank God. But still. It would be her and Sandy and Yuri and Michaela's little. A childhood friend, too. The childhood friend was the maid of honor. Smart of Michaela. Diplomatic. They would all be meeting her when they got together for the bachelorette. Zira hadn't known Michaela had been dating someone. Certainly not seriously enough to be getting engaged. She should have, probably. But she'd taken a breather from social media. It made her too sad. All those happy people boasting about their happy lives. All those engagements and weddings and babies. Zira realized that it was silly to mourn her lack of love life when she was hardly even making an effort to meet anyone. She had crushes, of course. There was a man in her office. He had kind eyes, and he was smart, and he took Zira seriously. He was only a few years older, and he was very good-looking. Like an Adonis. He had strong-looking hands and a chiseled jaw. He had a foreign accent that was to die for. He also had a wife and baby at home. There was a woman at Zira's book club. Zira wouldn't have joined the book club on her own. But one of her co-workers had convinced her to come along. And she had to make some kind of effort to socialize, didn't she? The woman Zira lacked, 
had big glasses and a serious face. She looked like the type of person to run for office, and she always made insightful comments about the books, bringing in points about gender norms and social context. Zero didn't need to go down the rabbit hole again for why having that crush was a bad idea. It was well-tread territory. Anyways, she didn't even know if the woman was interested in women, much less if she was single. Why did Zira do this to herself? Did she purposely lash on to unavailable people to avoid ever having to be vulnerable? Was that what she'd been doing all those years with Crowley? Except that couldn't have been it, because she had been vulnerable with Crowley. There wasn't anyone else she'd been more vulnerable with. It was the phone call with Michaela, not the passive-aggressive comments from her parents or the curious prodding from her sisters or their husbands, that served as Zira's wake-up call. She needed to, well, at least try. And she did, for a time. She tried to meet people the old-fashioned way first, because online dating intimidated her. But actually having to go do things and meet people? Most of the activities Zero was interested in were fairly woman-dominated anyways, so it wasn't an effective tactic. By February, Zero was almost ready to give the online dating thing a whirl. Almost. She'd taken the time to ask her co-workers and her book club friends for advice, pushed past the mortification of it, to at least try to zero in on the right website to try. She wasn't going within a 10-foot pole of Tinder or anything that wasn't a serious website. She was going to try the free trial for Match.com. 30 days and then she could decide if she would cough up the money. She would have to be very strategic, though, about when she started the trial, because if she could make the best of those 30 days, did she wait until before or after Valentine's Day? Were there statistics she could look at? Waiting until after Valentine's Day would only be putting it off. She had to just do it. Right? And then she got a phone call that she had been expecting even less than the phone call from Michaela. She'd actually been sitting at her dining table, trying to draw up the courage to make the gosh darn Match.com account when she got it. No text message beforehand, but there was no need for one. Just the sight of the name on her phone made Zira forget everything, everything and pick up the phone instantly. Crowley, she said, instead of hello. I, I, Crowley said, sounding like she had a frog caught in her throat. I didn't know who else to call. Crowley's voice was thick with distress. Like she had been crying. 
What's the matter, Curly? Kira asked slowly, like she was trying not to spook a wild animal. It's... It's Sarge, Curly choked out. Did something happen? Yes. She held the S like a hiss, like she was struggling to speak. Is he... Is he okay? No. Zira heard the distinct sound of sobbing coming through the phone. Zira hadn't heard Crowley's voice in over a year, and now she was on the phone sobbing. Zira was numb with shock. Crowley didn't sob. That was Zira's forte. Crowley, Zira heard herself say, hardly feeling like she was controlling it, feeling like she was on autopilot. I'm here, okay? On the phone with you. I'm not going anywhere. You just, you just stay on the phone line as long as you need, okay? Not a phone line, Crowley said through sniffles. What? We're using cell phones, right? So there's no line. Zira chuckled softly. No, I suppose not. What am I supposed to call it, then? I don't know. The phone network? Phone stream? Neither of those are right. Maybe there isn't a word for it. Okay. Then stay on the phone network stream. How is that? Curly laughed, and that was something. Her laugh was lovely, and there was some sense of relief. Zira didn't know what was going on, but she would let Crowley have the space to tell her if she wanted to. Or not if she didn't. Clearly, whatever it was, was very stressful. And Zira could be there for her friend. He could. Thanks, Peach, Curly said. Anytime, sweet pea. Curly was quiet for a while. And then she spoke up again. What's that about? She asked. What? Sweet pea. What do you mean? It's just an endearment. I know it's an endearment. You've never used any endearment on me. That wasn't true. Zira had called Crowley Sweet Pea before. On that one day. After Van Dan. But Crowley hadn't been in her right mind that day. She probably didn't remember. You call me Peach. Isn't that an endearment? That's different. That's like an in-joke. It's a joke? Crowley made a frustrated sound. No, I just mean it's our thing. It's different. I don't see how. 
because you know why it's different. It's coming from, I mean, because I, ugh, never mind. This was a bad idea. I shouldn't have called you. Crowley, Zira called desperately. Please don't hang up the phone. There was silence, and Zira looked at her phone to see if the call was still going. It was. Are you still there? Zira asked when she brought the phone to her ear. Yeah, Crowley said. I'm calling you, sweet pea, because it's my way of expressing that I care about you, Crowley. And I do. I care about you deeply. I'm sorry if I'm overstepping. I'm sorry that I said it. Ah, Sarah sighed. She had to always say the wrong thing with Crowley, didn't she? I won't do it again. But I will be here for you as long as you need. You can call or text me. I'll be here for you even after Sarge is okay. Sarge will never be okay. Sorry? He died. Crowley hadn't been able to speak through sobbing just moments ago. And then she said it so flatly. The words drew all of the air out of Sarah's lungs. She hadn't expected that. That he was sick, or injured, or in some kind of trouble with the law. Those she was prepared for. Sarge wasn't, hadn't been, that old. Fifties? Sixties? Certainly not any older than Zira's own parents. God, Zira's parents. What if one of them died suddenly? They could. It could happen to anyone. Zira felt herself starting to panic. Her heartbeat quickened and tears started welling up. No, no, she couldn't lose control. Not when Crowley needed her. She closed her eyes and focused on her breathing. What did Crowley need? There's going to be a funeral, Crowley said. His militia friends are organizing it, thank God. They were already talking about it at the hospital after... after it happened. And my mom, she's going to be there. She can get special emergency leave or whatever. I'll be there, Zira said, and she knew right away that it was imperative that she was. You don't have to do that. I can use sick leaves for family emergencies. I'm not your family. You're as good as Crowley. I mean it. I'll be there. She took a moment, though to remember the boundaries so carefully constructed and so carefully kept for the past year and a half. She took a deep breath and added, but only if you want me there. Okay. Do you want me there? 
There was a beat of silence, and Zero waited. Yes. Thank you. And that was it. There were the words that remained unsaid. I love you. I love you. God, I love you. But that was it. Zero was there. She took an Uber the entire way to Wanchi's because she still refused to drive herself. Long distance driving gave her too much anxiety and the bus trip was just too long. She wore black and she sat through the memorial for a man she hardly knew. She cried anyways. Before the burial, she went to the viewing and talked to him. She thanked him for taking care of Crowley, for giving her shelter and love. When she returned to Crowley, she stayed by her side and wrapped an arm around her and held her hand. She was with her as his friends and distant family members offered condolences. As they went through a line to hug Crowley and say meaningless nothings. She met Crowley's mother, who was the fitting image of Crowley, but with longer, stringier hair and sunken eyes and a weather-worn face. She looked simultaneously frail and too young to have a 28-year-old daughter. Crowley's mother, who looked at Crowley like she was a shining star, the biggest and brightest in the sky, my precious, precious baby, Curly's mother said, pushing Curly's hair behind her ears with delicate fingers and wiping away her tears with her thumb, the way mothers do. He cradled Curly's face and seemed unwilling to ever let go. You are my world, honey, she said through tears, and I know. I know I haven't always been there for you, but I love you, honey. You have to know that I love you. I love you too, Mom. They hugged, and it was impossibly hard to watch. Far too intimate and raw. When I look at you, honey, Crowley's mother said, refusing to let go, rocking Crowley from side to side. I'm so proud. Thanks, Mom. Crowley's mother looked at Zira like she was a hero, like she was an angel sent from heaven to redeem her and to be Crowley's guardian in her place. Any friend of Nettie's is a friend of mine, she said. Eyes shining. And you, honey, you are just so special, ain't you? So strong. He gripped Zira's shoulders and pulled her into a tight hug. Coming all this way for her, she said. Cigarette breath warm in Zira's ear. 
You take care of my Nettie, you hear? Zira nodded helplessly, her own tears streaming. She didn't know if she was the right person to take care of Crowley. She'd hurt her so much. But who else was there? Zira and Crowley ate endless amounts of meatloaf and casserole and pork barbecue, and there was still too much in the fridge. When the week of the funeral was over, and when Crowley's mother had returned to prison, they packed up the food and Crowley's things into Sarge's truck, Crowley's now, and Crowley drove them to Asheville. Crowley couldn't stand to be in that empty house with ghosts of her uncle everywhere she turned. And the driving calmed her. When they got to Asheville, they curled up together and cuddled on Zira's couch. They watched every adaptation of Emma they could find. And there were still the words that remained unsaid. I love you. I love you. I love you. Zira returned to work, and they settled into a routine, because there wasn't anything else to do. Crowley didn't have a job, but it didn't matter, because Zira would take care of her. Zira would always take care of her. They didn't talk about how long Crowley would stay. They didn't talk about what any of this meant for them or their friendship. It started to feel like those days again. Those days before everything changed. When they were just living together in bliss. Except it wasn't those days. And everything had changed. Which meant there was still that edginess, unspoken. It grew as time passed. A widening gulf. A silent resentment. Zira knew it couldn't last. But they would have to part ways. But Zira couldn't kick Crowley out either. She didn't want to. February turned to March, turned to April. And Zero was trying to pretend everything was fine. It was fine. She hadn't tried the Match.com free trial, but she couldn't very well do that while Crowley was still vulnerable, could she? She didn't need to anyways. She was still under 30. Barely, but... She had her books to entertain her, didn't she? The tension was there, though. And it had to come to a head eventually, didn't it? I see you still have Harry the Rabbit. Sarah looked up from the book she had been reading from her armchair in the living room. It was a Saturday in mid-April. Harry the Rabbit? Zira asked, perplexed. Her eyes locked onto what Crowley was brandishing, 
as she leaned against the kitchen island. It was a pink bunny. Zira's heart started beating a mile a minute. She shut her book abruptly. You named my vibrator? she asked. She didn't care about the answer. She didn't want to have this conversation. All she could think of was how stupid she had been to leave it in the bathroom. Since Crowley had left, she had gotten out of the habit of hiding it. And there was Crowley, casual as can be, shrugging. Yeah, I thought it was cute. It's not a rabbit, Zira said. Why was she talking? This is already so humiliating. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't have the dildo part. I'm kind of surprised you don't have a rabbit, actually. Sweet Jesus. How was she so casual? It was infuriating. I do. I just... Zira felt like her face was going to melt clear off. She looked at her knees and smoothed her skirt. I find that I don't really need the dildo part. Really? Crowley said in an overly surprised voice. Like she was making fun of Zira. Not teasing in a nice way. I'd have thought that would be the most important part to you. The venom in her voice sliced. Zira felt her chest fall up with guilt and pain. She looked up at Crowley, eyes pleading for her to stop, to forgive her. Crowley, she said. Crowley stood straight and put the vibrator down on the kitchen counter. I'm going for a walk. Need some fresh air. She swiveled and made a beeline for the door. Zira stayed in her armchair. And cried. When Crowley came back a good while later, so much later that it was already dark out, Zira was still in her chair. Crowley apologized, standing away from Zira at the kitchen counter. I've been... She sighed and rubbed her arms, looking at the ceiling. I just, I don't know what we're doing, and I feel like we're taking care of each other. That's what we're doing, Sarah choked, new tears streaming. Crowley crossed the room to kneel at Zira's knees. Please don't cry, Zira. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't push you. Everything you've done for me. Zira shook her head frantically. I haven't done nearly enough for you. Not nearly. Don't say that, Crowley said, laying her hands on Zira's knees. You deserve everything, Crowley. You deserve the world. And I haven't been brave enough or strong enough to give it to you. I don't need the world, Crowley said in a small voice. Crowley, Zira said, because the pain was going to eat her alive. I love you. I know, 
you know? Of course I know. And I hate everything about it. It drives me completely crazy. Curly started getting worked up. Eyes getting watery. I really wish you didn't. Because then this would be easier. I don't want to meet other people. Zero blurted. That gave Crowley pause. Okay. I was going to try Match.com, but I don't want to. Crowley passed her hands up over her face slowly until they landed in her hair, gripping tightly. Her eyes were closed, and she had a pained expression, like it was taking every ounce of her willpower to maintain her composure. Why are you telling me this? She asked, voice strained. It was a valid question. Zira didn't answer it. But the thing was, Zira knew what she wanted. She'd always known what she wanted. She'd been a coward and a fool. Crowley. No, Zira, Crowley said firmly. Her hands fell from her hair to Zira's thighs and started squeezing too tight, her nails digging into Zira's skin, like it was all she could do to keep it together. I can't. I can't keep doing this. Crowley, thank you for being there for me. It meant so much. You can't know how much it meant. Crowley shook her head frantically, tears rolling down her cheeks. But I think it's time, Zira. Crowley. I'm calling it. Someone has to. Because I can't just wait around for the taste that you want me. You're right. I can't be your placeholder until you find someone else. I know. And you're right. Crowley nodded solemnly letting go of Zira's thighs. She stood and looked up the ceiling. I'll leave tomorrow, she said. Zira closed her eyes and took a deep breath. I'm so sorry, Crowley. I should have said so so much sooner. And I know that no amount of sorry could ever be good enough. Because how I have treated you, it's unforgivable. Don't do this, Crowley pleaded. Please don't do this now. Just listen, Crowley. Please. And if you never want to hear anything else from me again, I'll understand. Crowley fell silent. How I have treated you is unforgivable. I didn't realize it at first because I was selfish and vain. But I realize it now. Zira opened her eyes to see Crowley looking down at her, arms crossed and lip trembling. She looked at her earnestly. But if there is a chance, even the slightest chance, that you might be willing to have me, to try a relationship with me, honest to God, romantic relationship, no parts left out, I'm ready to choose you. I'm ready to choose you over and over again. 
Chloe scrunched her face at Sierra, looking uncertain. To hell with my parents and what they think, Sierra added. To hell with Macon. To hell with the entire state of Georgia. Crowley smiled just a little and let out a small amused sound. I can't imagine the entire state of Georgia is homophobic. Well, it's not like North Carolina is a beacon of inclusion. Sierra chuckled. No, it certainly isn't. Zira knew Crowley was deflecting, but at least she hadn't said no. Like it famously isn't, Crowley continued. I mean, sure, maybe pre-2016, if you were to ask someone what the most anti-queer state was, they might have said Georgia. But now? At least we have Governor Cooper, Zira said, feeling laughter bubbling up in her chest. At least we have. Actually, I think Governor Cooper could be doing a better job, Crowley said. And then they laughed. And that felt good, laughing. Really belly laughing. Crowley sat down cross-legged on the floor, and Zira slid out of her armchair to join her there. And they laughed until they couldn't laugh anymore. Come with me to Macon for Easter, Zira said, when the laughter had petered out and they were left smiling on the laminate flooring. Crowley stopped smiling then. I don't know, Zira. And that was like a gut punch, because if Zira had just been braver sooner. You don't have to decide now, Zira amended quickly. But if you do, come with me, I mean. I can tell my family. Carly looked into her lap. You don't have to tell your family, she said. If it's what I need to do to convince you I'm serious about this, I will, Zira insisted. Carly looked up at Zira. You're really willing to give this a shot? She asked. Yes, Zira responded firmly. That's enough, Crowley said. Yes? Yeah. We can wait to tell your family. Or never tell them. I don't care. I just want to know that you aren't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Crowley nodded, looking into her lap again. I'd like to see Macon, she said. I still haven't had one of your peaches. Peaches aren't in season. Curly made a face and let out a hum of disappointment. But there will be plenty of time for peaches, Sarah assured. Curly didn't say she already had the prettiest peach. She didn't jump into Zira's arms and kiss her senseless. She didn't say or do anything of the sort. She just nodded into her lap. And then she went to bed. 
Zira leaned her head back onto the foot of her armchair and let out a shuddering breath. She was exhausted. But she gave Curly time before she followed her. She found Curly curled up in bed on her usual side, facing her nightstand. Thinking she was asleep, Zira got ready for bed quietly and slid into her own side. She was taken by surprise when Curly's arm shot out from herself, grasping at Zira, taking hold of her pajama shirt and tugging. Suddenly, Zira was pitting herself against Crowley like they were a jigsaw puzzle, and they were each other's missing pieces. And if that wasn't just as nice as could be. I love you. Crowley whispered so softly. Zero wondered if her ears were playing tricks on her. She nuzzled Crowley's back anyway and answered with, I love you too, and a kiss to Crowley's shoulder blade. Crowley hummed contentedly, hugging Zero's arm to her chest. And Zero knew that somehow everything would be all right. She still had one more question, though. Did you name it Harry because of when Harry met Sally? Zero whispered. No comment. Curly replied sleepily. And Zero couldn't help but smile.